Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the no BS marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. People always have a template for messaging in their mind when they're writing anything. And this is what it is. Value, proof point, call to action. The hill that I die on is no. (laughs) You're not answering actually any questions with that. If you are writing messaging, the first thing you have to ask is what is the person thinking when they are reading this? when they are listening to you? And are you answering those questions? Because if not, you just are producing content that looks like everybody else. And people are going to pick up on that rhythm really, really fast, especially if you're implementing it on every single blurb in your website. Welcome, Snow, to the podcast. Hello, hello. It's a pleasure to be here. I wanted to get it kicked off and just give a backstory of how you got into marketing yourself. Absolutely. So if we take a look at how I got into marketing, it's actually a very interesting story. Like many marketers, I did not go to school for marketing. I went to school for 3D animation, graduated in 2008, which was an excellent time to graduate, and then proceeded to be in restaurants for seven years before I got into tech. And I didn't even start in marketing then either. I actually started in training and instructional design, which moved into sales enablement, And because sales enablement and product marketing, we'll talk about this in probably a little bit, are so tightly tied, I thought, well, how do I get out of being an order taker and just training people and not really having any control over what the message is and and what we're actually focusing on? And that's when I discovered product marketing and moved into marketing about five years ago. That's such a great story. I mean, everybody I've talked to has a different story getting into marketing and yours is Definitely one of the the best going from restaurant to sales to then sales enablement then to product marketing. But I want to get into product marketing. So I know you're like very passionate about the subject of product marketing. And I know the definition of product marketing for organization is broad. Everybody has a different definition for it. But how would you think about delivering product marketing to an organization? When I think about product marketing for an organization, It is something where you need to understand what the organization is actually looking for when they describe product marketing. There's a great uh, analogy of like, you look at water, looks at the hole that it's in and says, oh, look, this hole was perfectly shaped for me. But the reality is, is that water fills that hole. And that's what product marketing is. You need to understand what are the goals of the organization that you're trying to solve for and ensure that that's something that you have a passion for, which kind of brings to the other part of your question, which is like, how do I view product marketing? There are different flavors of product marketers out there. There are people who love the launch process and go-to-market strategies and designing campaigns. There are product marketers who really love the strategy behind it, informing where an organization is going through research and really knowing the market. And then there's the sales enablement group, which is really closely tied to how do you take all of that together and action it in a sales organization? How do you translate whatever's happening in your product org for sales? 
And so understanding which one of those three kind of levers speak the most to you helps you know what you want to do when you go to an uh, organization. So my personal passion is I love the market. I want to understand what's going on in the industry and the market that I'm selling into. I want to arm my team with all of those insights and then add all the other kind of stuff on top of it, right? Like what's the messaging and positioning? And it's that much better when you know the market, because if you don't know how your buyer speaks, you're going to sound like a robot. So that's in a nutshell, what I think about when I think about product marketing. I want to go in because I saw this firsthand of you laying out a strategy. Could you tell people like when you go into an organization and you're thinking about the first 30, 60 days of how you want to execute your strategy, what is like the first like one to two to three things you think about doing before even like starting building a strategy out? Yeah, before you. So if I if I'm hearing the questions right, what are the things that you want to do when you first come into an organization that are going to set you up for success. Because I find that a lot of product marketers, especially marketers who have a lot of experience, they're going to come in and they already have a vision in their mind of what they're going to do because they know it worked at whatever previous organization they were at. So for me, when I start in a new role or in a new organization, the first thing is to understand how does the business view itself? How do their customers of that business view them? And then how does the market at large view the industry that that organization is in. So I'll give you kind of take a step back. What does that mean? Within your first 30 days, you should be setting up interviews, not only with the leadership within your organization, but primarily your customer teams and your sales teams, the actual people who are talking to customers and talking to buyers every day. And those conversations need to be very candid. And you tell me what your pitch is. What is it that the organization does and how is it different? You're really looking for similarities between the way people describe it, but you're also looking for the passion, right? When you're speaking to someone, you can quickly identify when someone really knows what they're talking about versus when they're talking out of their ass, for lack of a better term, I hope I can guess. So that's the first step. Then you want to try and interview the actual customers themselves. And I say interview, that doesn't mean you have to like get them on a phone but you can go and review recorded calls, figure out what the tech stack is with your organization and go back and look at the interactions that have happened between customers and really listen to the way that they speak. You can also just go and look and Google search your new organization. I do this all the time. And this helps you identify not only what are the articles that other people are writing about your organization, but what are the reviews? Or is someone on Reddit talking about your company? So the first 30 days is really digging deep to understand what the internal feeling is in the organization. And then what does the rest of the market think? From that, you need to write it all down and you need to produce what I call the foundational documentation. So Dan, this might kind of be what you were speaking to when we worked together, right? It's you're doing all of this great research. The problem is, is in most organizations, people are not working from the same songbook. They're not working from the same playbook. Everyone is working from their own version that they heard, maybe in onboarding or someone mentioned something really interesting. So your job as a product marketer is to build that foundational understanding. Who is your market? Who is your ideal customer? How do they talk? Why do they buy you? That's really what you need to have written down within your first 30 days.
One of the most important things I think in a product marketer's role is a lot of people think about like marketing content outward, but like how do you think about marketing the strategy, the messaging internally to every part of the business and being the glue? How do you how do you think about that? Because as you know, like sales team can have a different way of speaking about the company than the executives, than the product team, than the marketing team. So how do you get everybody on the same page? No, it's a great question on how you really work to strive to break down those silos between the different groups within an organization. And it really goes back to that 30 days. The first thing you need to do is you reach out to everyone with your in your organization. You identify who are those individual contributors within the team that are the people that everyone else is looking to, right? Who are those secret leaders that may not be visible in the org chart? And then interviewing and interacting with all of those people. And you're asking them, hey, how do you describe the organization, right? Because you want to build all of your understanding there. But you're also just getting to know their styles and where there have been gaps in the past. You said it a moment ago, but product marketing, a part of what our job is, is to help bridge the gap between marketing and the rest of the organization. And it's also helping the rest of the organization know why marketing is prioritizing. So it's really important to, as you're having these conversations, it's not about promising them that you're going to solve all of their problems, but it's being radically candid with them on what you can do and what you can't and building that trust so that they know they can come to you, come to you with a problem, with something they need to do, and you're going to be honest. And if you say you're going to deliver, you are going to deliver. It's just a big trust building exercise as a a product marketer and I think the relationship building is one of the things that I saw you do very well is just like getting on calls and talking to different stakeholders, making sure like you could be the the glue between the marketing team and the product team and the and making sure that those messages don't get lost in translation when you're launching a new product for, per se or something like that. What are some of the biggest challenges you see with people's view on product marketing in the org and how product marketing is viewed as a, just like a a whole. So one of the biggest challenges when it comes to being a product marketer and the way that people perceive you within the organization is it's in the title. People either think that you're a product person and that you're going to be very technically minded. You're going to always be on the product side. You're going to be in the weeds with developers. That's what they think that you're doing. Or you are in the marketing side and you are, lack of a better description, just another marketer, right? They're like, oh, here comes this person who's going to have a lot of creativity and a lot of flash, but they're not, they are going to be all of those bad stereotypes that people have of marketers the same way people have bad stereotypes of people who are in sales, right? It's not true. It's just when someone's not in that organization, when someone's not in marketing, there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what marketing does. So you're really dealing with this battle between the two. And most people don't know what product marketing is, right? So first hurdle, you got to tell them what it is, right? You have to be able to say, this is what I'm going to be focusing on. This is how I can help you. And this is how I help the rest of the organization. Then once you have that, you really have to work to make sure that you don't become an order taker. And this is really important in your relationship to sales and your relationship into the product organization. A lot of times the product organization will boil a product marketer down to the launch support function. 
They expect you to be in a reactionary mode anytime product does everything. And it's your job to send the emails to the customers to let them know that there's been an update to the product. But you can't allow that to happen. You can't allow yourself to fall into a reactionary role with your partners in product. You cannot allow yourself to become an order taker in sales. Otherwise, all you're going to be doing is building sales decks. You have to lead those teams. You need to be involved with them. And so the best way that you can overcome that challenge and not be an order taker is to be proactive and maintain those collaboration sessions. So what do I mean by that? You have to look at the organization and say, I know a product, something's going to be launching soon. It's going to be launching in two weeks. I'm not going to wait on someone to tell me what I need to do. I'm going to set up the meeting with the internal stakeholders. So you're launching something, customer teams need to be involved. The product team needs to be involved and sales needs to be involved. You find those leaders within the organization, you bring them together and you start your, your collaboration. In a best in class organization, you work to establish that as an official process. And you're looking at usually six to eight week lead time in any major launch in a tech company. So how do you think about like creating a messaging doc? And for people that don't know, like, like prefaces of like why it's so important to set up like this, like messaging doc for the internal org. Messaging documentation is really critical and it is often overlooked. And I think it's because people look at it as a checkbox. They say, oh, I've written this document. I can move on. When you're writing messaging documentation, you really have to ask yourself, what is the purpose of this document? And so I usually will do two to three versions of the same document based on the audience. So the first is for my marketing professionals, you produce your deep dive guide. This is the guide that's going to go into and answer all the questions that you had to answer in order to come up with your marketing. So first it includes context setting so that everyone is aware this is who what this document is for. This is how you use the document. These are the buyer personas that this message is written towards and what we are writing, how it fits into the larger messaging hierarchy, because any top class marketing organization should have a messaging hierarchy. You have your brand message, what you're telling at that level. Then you can have your campaign message, which maybe is a yearly message. And then you have individual messages for all the other little things that you're launching. Here's this ad campaign. Here's this launch. So you need to level set all of that. And then you need to write out your full messaging. Your messaging usually is broken up in your big document where it's here is the little blurb, two to three sentences. And then you tell people why you chose those words. Because the number one thing you run into when any marketer is doing messaging is people are very protective of words. I'm sure we've all been in that meeting. You can tell me, Dan, where someone wants to argue if it should be an and or an or. You're like, does it really matter? And while the words we use do matter, you can't let people get too protective. So they need to understand why you chose the words that you did in your messaging guide and then give them guidance on how to make it their own. I think that's critical. That's your deep dive guide. The other two that I do, you write an executive summary because no executive is going to read your 11 page guide. They're, they're just not. And then you also produce one for sales and CS, which is like the at a glance messaging guide. There are certain words that executives get tied to or marketers get tied to, but as a product marketer, you've done all this research that knows that like that certain word is actually 
the market perceives way differently than what everybody thinks of internally. So it's so important to like listen to the product market team that's done the research, just be like, instead of saying software, people like saying platform, like, like inter, like that's like the word that they use in, as a ICP or persona that you're talking to. No, you're hundred percent correct. And that's a great example. You think about where people's minds go when they hear software versus platform or even tech, right? Because depending on who you're speaking to, you may want to just lean in. You're talking to an operations persona, someone who's in IT, you're going to talk tech stack all day. But if I'm talking to a CRO and I go, this tech is going to optimize your tech stack and remove data silos, they don't care. But this platform is going to make their team's job easier. That's something that they immediately resonate with. It's funny because a lot of people just die on hills of like, that's the word. And you could just change that one word in messaging on your on a landing page or how a salesperson communicates to, and it could change like the whole organization like that because people start understanding what you're actually talking about. I want to also ask you, what is a, a marketing hill you would die on? The hill that I would die on is people always have a template for messaging in their mind when they're writing anything. And this is what it is. Value, proof point, call to action. I hear that all the time. The hill that I die on is no. (laughs) The reason why I say no is you're not answering actually any questions with that. If you are writing messaging, the first thing you have to ask is what is the person thinking when they are reading this, when they are listening to you? And are you answering those questions? Because if not, you just are producing content that looks like everybody else. Everyone is going value, proof, call to action. And people are going to pick up on that rhythm really, really fast, especially if you're implementing it on every single blurb in your website. I cannot tell you how many marketing sites I've gone to where the hero image, what is it? We fuel revenue growth. We are a platform that it's going to make your team easier to do X, get a free trial. Every single one is that way. Even even the, the, the flashy ones that we like to say are good examples. And then you keep reading. Every other blurb is the same thing. Every section is the same thing. And so for me, the hill that I'm going to die on If you've got a template that works every time, it doesn't work every time. Yeah, it's also going into what people say. If there's a template being made, then most likely everybody's using that template. So you have to come up with a new thing. And I was just talking to another person the other day about this, and they were saying, this is why like knowing the market is so important. That's not everything that like they expect you to do this. And you basically say like, oh, I know you think that you're coming here for X, Y, and Z, but this is how, what we do that is way different than everybody else. Like, and then it's like, okay, you understand that you're coming for from these proof points. This is one way of doing it. I'm not saying this is the, but like, you understand you're coming from coming for like being able to send emails, be able to automate it. But like, this is the reason how we differentiate to ourselves in the market. So then you, do kind of do the research for them instead of them having to go to like 18 different sites to understand why your email software or your training software is different. 
Well, no, and this goes into the words like we talked about earlier. It's a wonderful thing. So you're looking at your messaging and you're saying, what are the questions that we need to answer and how do we differentiate? If you choose the right words to answer the question of who you are, you don't have to spend a ton of time level setting that your organization, that your product handles the table stakes, right? So someone comes to you, they're looking for email for their marketing organizations. What are they looking at? They're looking for email we're looking for marketing automation. That's what we're looking for. That's a standard term. We all know what that is. You don't got to spend time talking about all the different features, and then you can just dive directly into the differentiation points. And I think this is important, Daniel, and maybe you were going to mention this too. When you're writing differentiation points, putting the word unique or better in front of whatever it is you're describing is not differentiation. And I feel like a lot of people do that and talk about C-suite individuals you talk to the uninformed person who's never had product marketing and you ask them to describe their organization, it's all descriptors. We offer the best solution for revenue teams to be better. That's not, okay, great, how? Yeah, just like the when, we, when I went to Saster, I saw 20 booths that says we are the number one. And some people in the same industry saying that they're the number one, which is kind of funny because you just, there's two, three people that are saying they're the number one and they're in the same competition to each other. So who actually is number one? Like you're not differentiating if you're saying you're the number one software at this, whatever. Um, so it's kind of funny. Like what you're saying is answer the questions that the customer is going to have or the audience is going to have when they come into your software. Like they're not going to ask if like, are you the best? They're going to ask like, are you solving something that I want to solve? And, is this something that I want to use and how are you different than it, everything? And how could I like tell that story to them instead of like telling them something that they already know, like they already know that nobody cares that you're the number one software out there. It's nobody cares. And even if you are the best by whose measure, every organization is different. Every challenge is different. Every buyer is different. You say I'm the, when people say best, best in class, leading number one, they're probably, they're either doing it because they're lazy or because they have a C-suite person who requires that it be in the title. I have worked at organizations where it's been required. It's funny. Yeah. Cause it's, it's like they're writing their website for the investors instead of the customers. I want to go into another question. I know like it's tough to predict what's going to happen in the future, but what are some things that you're seeing in marketing right now that marketers should start jumping on? I think the key with marketing, and this I would actually argue is key in all business right now, the attention marketing is getting because of the influencer culture that's been really established over the past 10 years is is much higher, but there is a misunderstanding of what an influencer is and what a marketer is. And you've spoken about this a lot. And the one thing that I do think it's important that every marketer does is establishes some level of personal brand. We're not all going to be the marketing millennial, Daniel. We're all not going to be that level of personal brand, but you still should still have a voice. You should still have a point of view that is evident in your social channels that you use for business. You should be posting regularly. You should be interacting with your organization and you should be making sure that you're offering something to the conversation whenever possible. I think we have a mutual friend. Morgan J. Ingram, and I saw him post something recently, which was, if you're commenting on a LinkedIn post, just don't say, 
congrats. That's not actually engagement. You need to offer something back. You need to begin a conversation. And it gave me pause because my social brand is very, it's as low as I think it could be in be useful. I have a good amount of following. I make a point to share thought leadership on a quarterly or monthly basis, but I'm not, I'm not you, but I can still add something because that network is critical. And when someone is looking at you for a potential role or a promotion, you need to have some clout. And the only way you can do that is if you have, frankly, a tight LinkedIn presence. A lot of people forget about one thing is like personal brand to me is just reputation. And for example, like you built a reputation like in at sales law that like, not because you like, because you did great work and then a bunch of people started talking about you to other people and that's how you got your new job. So like also like, it's not only about like posting online and I think it is important to like have that message. It's just, just like, do great work, make sure you're known in your organization, like Snow did at Sales Loft and like other people. And then people will talk about you when they like, if that CMO leaves that company or that thing, they'll be like, oh, do you know the best product marketer? Oh yeah, Snow's the best product marketer because I work with her, she does great work. Like all personal brand is just reputation and getting your name out there. And if you're just afraid to post online, like start with networking events and stuff like that. Do something to just make sure that people know that you're the best product marketer or you're the best this or you're the best that or you're the best at X. Even if you don't, it's just like marketing in general. Like some products aren't the best in the market, but they just the best at getting into the consumer's heads. That's why they win, not because they're the best product. It's not necessarily about being the best, but it's also about, it's like, to your point, it's being reliable. I think I mentioned this earlier you know, how do you build trust in an organization? And that's part of that is reaching out, being present and visual visible in their lives, and then making sure that you're candid in what you can and can't do. I cannot stress that enough. But part of the reason why I have the reputation that I have is I am honest about what I can accomplish and what I cannot accomplish. Because if you're making promises that you can't deliver on, that's going to catch up to you real quick right? People want to work with people they can rely on and that they can trust and they're willing to put their neck out for them, right? And if you don't have that reliability, if you don't have, I love the word that you use, reputation, you're never going to get that recognition. You're never going to have that word of mouth. And it's incredibly necessary in today's marketing landscape, especially with how tight the industry is right now. Personal brands have been there for hundreds of years. Like people, the way people used to talk about people are just like referrals and word of mouth and there's no internet. But now like the internet is just giving you a, an opportunity to scale something that you didn't have before, like scale that reputation so more and more people outside of your circle know who you are. And that's why I, I think it's a personal brand is great. But I also think like what you did at the start and had such a good reputation, but also you did things like, I know you were part of like that mark product marketing at, uh, it was Alliance or whatever in Atlanta, like you were part of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Product marketing um, Alliance. But I want to go into, I want to go into a question of like, who are 
the best product marketers that have inspired you in your journey? Who are the best product marketers? So I'll, I'll give you a couple of answers to that question. One is not a product marketer, but one is someone who I regularly reference whenever I'm starting a new project or onboarding a new product marketer. And I do love the thought leadership that comes from Simon Sinek. His start with the why is pretty critical. It's great, quick learning for people. So I always think that's a good person to start with. I got to be honest, uh, I worked with a gentleman, Albert Ree at Sales Loft, and he is one of the best launch focused product marketers I have ever worked with. He is so good at building a process and a flexible process to build that partnership with product to just nail launches. I've learned so much from him because that was a weak point for me is that kind of continual iteration of a process. It was something that he was really, really strong at. And then if I, if I go even a little bit further, and again, this is not, this is not technically a product marketer, but it is one of the strongest brands I've ever seen. And the work that they did is around product marketing. It was the creator of the eight bar logo at IBM. So the eight bar logo at IBM, it was initially created. IBM had lots of logos. Like if you go and you look at all the different logos that they've had, they've had hundreds of logos over an extended period of time. But this eight bar logo came about right when the dot matrix printer was uh, a thing. That's the only way that people were printing paper at the time. And so the designer of the eight bar logo was presented with, hey, IBM, one of the biggest organizations at the time, needs a new logo. What are you going to do? And all of their previous logos are these like these hand-drawn international business machine, very detailed logos. And he comes in and he goes, I want to design a logo that very quickly communicates who IBM is. No one's calling it international business machines. They're calling it IBM. And I want it to look good in every format that it could find itself in. And they were selling printers at the time. So he designed that logo specifically to print well in their printers. Such a simple thing, but it ensured that it looked good everywhere. And to this day, it is one of the longest standing logos that has not been touched. I think that was in the 60s or the 50s. Like they haven't changed it. Think about all the different evolutions of every other logo we've seen. And the level of thought, it has an entire document. Each bar means something. So we talk about that messaging guide. Each bar means something. It's brilliant. So if anyone wants a great marketing story, I highly recommend uh, that they look up. The designer was Paul Rand. Um, it actually came out in 1972. Apologies. That is a great story. I think I want to write one of that for the marketing millennials. Uh, thanks for bringing that one up. I also want to go into one last question for you. Is like, if someone gave you, came up to you today and was like, Snow, they're out of college or they're, they're just starting marketing. What advice would you give to them today that they would come back to you a few years later and be like, thank you for that advice that has really helped me in my marketing career? So the advice that I would give a new product marketer that I think is just critical to, was critical to my success. I have a couple. I think at the most base level, all because you did not go to school for marketing or business or any of the adjacent degrees does not mean you cannot be a product marketer. To be a product marketer, you just have to have a passion for the market that you're selling into. 
doesn't really matter, in my opinion, what the product is. You need to understand the buyer and the market and the problems that they have and have a passion for solving those problems. For me, it's helping sales organizations and sellers not hate their job. My family are sellers. That's that's what it is. So you need to not hold back just because you don't have the degree. And then it's what can you do, though? So what can you do? This is where I have to say that Google is my best friend. You know, there's that old joke, let me Google that for you. You need to be the person that can find the answer, even if you don't know where to look. And so anytime you are tackling on a new project, before you just run at it, the first thing you need to do is dig into the wealth of information that is already available out there. And you need to search for the answer and you need to search for it in a variety of different ways. If your question is, how am I going to write a message? Don't Google, how do I write a message? Just pick brands that you love and dig into their history. That's how I found the IBM story. The Just Do It campaign from Nike, that tagline came from the last words of a convicted criminal as they were being executed in the same town where Nike was originally founded. So they found that that campaign, which is to this day, one of the best campaigns in marketing history, because some guy sat down and was having a bender one night and was like, what am I going to have be my tagline? And he just searched for local history. That's huge. So don't sit down. My advice to you again, if I can shorten it, my advice to you is this, do not get inside your own head. You are never going to be the only one that can do this. It is important that you reach out to the community that you have around you, the community who you know, and the community who don't know you exist for the answers. And then once you have that gut reaction to something, trust it. Yeah, I love that. I think one of the best ways, the best sentences ever is if you don't know something, it's just like, I don't know, but I'll find that answer for you or I'll find that out because it's okay. It's okay not to know things. It's just, it's not okay that you don't, can't take the time to go find the, that answer because there's so many people you could talk to, resources out in the world that you could find that answer. But like when people just say, I don't know, it's just, that means they're not willing to take the time and effort to just give you the right answer. So I, I love that answer of like, just go. And also when people say Google, it does not mean what you just said. Like, how do I do great brand messaging? It's like, look up what companies are just are the best at creating brand and figure out how they did it. Like um, that's a great way to do it. Uh, lastly is like, we talked about personal brands. So I wanted you to plug where people could find you, your personal brand and follow your, your journey. Oh yeah. I, w- I would love. So hello everyone. Alexandria snow. My personal brand is you can call me snow because five syllables is too long for even my mother You can find me on LinkedIn. And primarily I'm going to be focused on helping salespeople be better every day. I love it. Thank you so much for the snow. You've been awesome. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you, Daniel. Anytime. I'd love to be back. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. 
It helps bring more marketers into our community.